Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the Collector's Quest podcast. You may have noticed that NES prices are the highest they've ever been. Maybe that's not true. Maybe the highest they've ever been is like two months ago. But the obvious solution is to just buy Famicom games because they're all cheaper, right guys? Well, yes, in the vast majority of cases, that is the case. But we want to talk about a few different cases of Famicom games. Some that are more expensive, some that are less expensive, and some of the aspects that might make a Famicom version of a game more collectible than the NES version, or vice versa. So tell your mom about the show, give us five stars on iTunes, check out our fancy new logo, I hope you're able to find this in your podcast app, and let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny. No, Stefan. Johnny, we're here. It's going to be a quick episode, in and out, 15 minutes. We're talking about Famicom games. Woo! So we're going back to uh, OG Collector's Quest, where we had multiple episodes that were 24 minutes long. I, I don't remember that ever happening, but sure. OG Collector's Quest. Uh, is Cat here? You keep saying Cat's no. going to come back on the show. I thought there was going to be a Christmas episode or something with Cat Johnny. Yeah. My, you know, my whole December was like a nightmare, right? Right into the show, if you remember who Cat is at this point. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever hear Cat? Don't go back and listen to those episodes. They are, oh, I mean, rude. they're not horrible. Uh, no, it's not that. Like, but the audio quality is so, oh. yeah, like that, it just hurts your ears. So, um, yeah, read a synopsis. A synopsis of what the Star Wars episode that no one listened to, so we gotta read a synopsis. Yeah, don't worry, uh, fellow Star Wars fans. I'm working on a list. That Star Wars list is coming along. You don't even know the deep dive I've done. I sure haven't, Johnny, because I've been too busy buying Famicom games, which isn't really stop. true. I've been buying no, a lot of games, but uh, I don't know why you keep trying to force us into this episode. I, I, there's no, there's only two of us. We gotta get, get on the road. We got, we just gotta get like. <laughs> No wasting time. I'm sorry. Let's talk about episode. you, Johnny. Tell me about your Star Wars list of no, video I'm not games? Gonna, question I'm, mark. Yeah, it's Star Wars games. That's all games. I'm just. Is this why you're, you've been sending me pictures like this PS2 comic book variant has the stupid sticker on the back, so you can't tell if it's the comic book version? Yeah, it's it's not a sticker. It's actually printed on. But yeah, yes, okay. yes, that's exactly it. Um, that kind of stuff. And there's. Uh, Tops Connection, uh, spelled with an X because they're cool discs in some variants. There's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. Like, I'll have to do an episode by myself because you definitely won't care to sit through that episode, Tower. Uh, and I'll just tell everybody. I, it's actually there's so much data it would be like multiple episodes. I, I'm you got me or pretty excited like, to collect all the Tops Connection variants of whatever that game was. There's like what yeah. 240 different variants technically. If you count all of the uh, characters <laughs> and you, variants of that character, you could possibly get on each system. So no, there's uh, so there's 36 possible variants. But if you got the 36 variants for each system, I mean they're not system specific, so you wouldn't need it. But technically, that's a, so you do 36 times uh, Xbox, PlayStation three, or sorry, Xbox 360, PlayStation three, Xbox one. And uh, PS4. Whew. 
but they would all be the same disc. Johnny, they all count, right? No. I mean, I, I was told that every variant counts, and uh, if you no. try to disclude things, it's because you're not a real collector. No. Uh, in fact, the only way to even know if you have the specific variant for these is it's a Walmart variant. Uh, from what I can tell, because I have not compared like the small print and stuff. I mean, I've compared a lot of it, but like intertext print. But uh, is a sticker on the front of the game that says Tops Connection Disc Included. And then there's like a little plastic sleeve on the manual where it sits. And OK, so just to be clear, a Tops Connection Disc, because I don't even know what this is. Is this a trading card game or is it, it a collectible okay. disc? Uh, it is both. Um so it's a weird thing. It's kind of uh, like, imagine it's a mix between a trading card and a domino. So uh, it's this little hexagonal disc that you can play like dominoes. Each character has like a different value according to some like lines on the side. I'm not into it. I don't care how the game is played, but apparently you could play a game. But the other thing is that it's like a collector's item. It doesn't matter what kind of frame you have, frame being like the outer color of the thing or like some inner foiling you could have multiple different foilings or colors and, and different combinations therein. Uh, but the value of the disc uh, for the game is the same, no matter which print you have. It, it's really stupid. Like they, so it's this like Walmart exclusive star Wars, kind of like trading card, but also a game like it, it's horrible. Tyler, they did like special characters. You could only get if you bought the Blu-rays and stuff like it, it's a nightmare that it, it, it failed. It, I'm happy to say that this thing failed. So they're there. rare, is what you're saying, John? No, they're not actually. And people, they used to be like five or six dollars a pack, and some people still pay like forty dollars for them. And I'm just thinking, I I just look at all the stuff I waste money on, and I'm just like, yeah, at least I didn't do that thing. Well, Johnny, you know, sports cards or all trading cards in general, Pokemans, uh, everything is super rare now, and it's not just like the stuff that came in a pack. There are like sports cards that you had to tear out of magazines and people are like, this is the card that came out of sports illustrated. It's worth hundreds of dollars now. Cause it's in mint condition. So uh, keep your tops connection discs uh, in mint condition because you never yeah. know when this is going to be the next hot thing. Star Wars tops connection some, discs. Maybe I have some trading cards, like some video game trading cards or, or I don't know what they are. Uh, from like EGM magazines. Do you remember like when magazines oh, yeah. came in like sealed bags and there? Yeah. Maybe I should go look for those. Just kidding. There's I a, probably threw those away. What is it? The I don't remember. Nintendo Power had a set of trading cards, like the Nintendo they Super do, Power but, cards or something. Yeah, but those are neat. I mean, those are neat. But like how I this is the year where I'm going to open up Instagram and someone's going to have one that's like graded. <laughs> this is my PSA oh, 7 Super Metroid Nintendo Super Power card. Uh, like, I know Stefan has the whole set, so we should uh, ask him to get that graded so we can see it. Fun fact, also part of that set are uh, Punch-Out stamps, which are listed in my Video Game Sage Stamp Collecting for Video Games Guide. Are the Pogs also part of that? No. What? Okay. I don't even know what the Pogs are. There was Nintendo Power Pogs. Oh, this I'm I'm too old for this. I'm too young for this. What am I talking about? Probably both. Uh, yeah, somehow you're both. <laughs> All right. Um, I wow, that was a super deep um. I was just like um, and then I'm tired, so my brain just kept going. Do we want to get into the episode now? I we did now the rambling okay. thing. Yeah, we could definitely. Yeah, we can talk. Yeah, about we did. 
Japanese games, Johnny. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not just talking about Famicom games. What are we, like, what's our angle? We, we always have a gimmick, right? Ah! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Oh, that's going to be a pun for you guys. <laughs> if, if you don't know, you'll understand that pun in a half hour, probably. Yeah. Um, Woo. We're talking about NES versus Famicom prices, Johnny, because Famicom prices are always lower than NES prices, and it's just the poor people system, right? Is it? I mean, maybe a lot of times, yes. That is like eighty percent of the time. That's a hundred percent true, uh, especially for games that are not playable in English, because I would say. I don't know if there's a rule of thumb or something, but if it's a playable game that is expensive, like a panic restaurant, which people might want to play, generally that's something that would be cheaper on the Famicom. But uh, something like Dragon Warrior 4, which you might want to bring up, is uh, cheaper because you can't play it in English, but it's dirt common on Famicom. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Warrior, any of the Dragon Warriors, uh, well, excluding the first one, and, you know, Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest... You know, you could get Dragon Quest 2 for a lot less than you could buy Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior 2. Same with Dragon uh, Quest 3 and 4 versus the Dragon Warrior games. But if you can't read that, then it doesn't really matter. A lot of times people say, oh, I just want to play it, so I'm going to go get the cheap version over in Japan. However, this is a world where you have to cough up or just play a ROM because that's even less expensive i i don't know why we're we're still like buying into the like intellectually dishonest argument that like people just buy these because they're cheaper like you're just trying to collect something you're 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 not doing it just so you can play it you just want to buy the cheaper thing i'm not i'm not buying into the arguments like well i want to play like because if you just want to play but like whoa the hardware it's like well then you know there's a lot of good ways you can play uh, ROMs on original hardware still. They keep making more. So I don't know. It's just a a weird argument to me when people try and bring this up. It used to be the collector versus player argument. And now I'll, I'll, we'll get into the collector versus investor argument. Like I don't want to grade those games. I want to be able to open them up one day and play them if I want to. Now we sound like the people who uh, used to hate collectors. It's great. Uh, I got a story about that, Johnny. I mean, I do want to come back oh. to your Famicom comments, but um, I just learned that the Globtop Super Nintendo games, maybe the Globtop Nintendo games, meaning the uh, the PCBs that have sort of a black blob on top of the actual yeah. components of the PCB, those have date codes on the PCB. And I didn't know that. And now my Donkey Kong competition and my Star Fox Super Weekend, they're in these stupid-ass water cases, so I can't open them up and document what variant I have. And no one cares oh. about this. Like no, no one is like documenting date codes of their their Donkey Kong and Star Fox Super weekends. But now I will never be able to know because, like an idiot, I slabbed a game that's not sealed. Well, you know, I can't wait for like the slabbing. If anyone ever cares about date codes, I wonder how many people are gonna like have want to crack their cases to see if they have the oldest ones. It's only ever going to be worth it if a huge price disparity comes out of it. Yeah, like. I- in Donkey Kong, I think that was like two hundred dollars to grade it, and that was before Wada increased their prices twice. So wow, I'm not <laughs> opening that. No, but uh, I mean, like, it, I can't imagine a world where people are like, "Oh, my Donkey!" Like, they were probably first of all, they were probably all produced at the same time, right? But at, if there is an earlier print Donkey Kong competition, like, are people really going to care? 
like it was the competition cart that they were testing on in-house and then they just sent to the competition uh anyways like you might have that one like i mean if there was something cool about it like that one has like different eproms or that one actually has eproms rather than glob tops that would be cool but i don't know if it's just a date code and it's like oh my donkey kong competition was made a week earlier i win collecting yeah i i uh I don't know. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think I care enough to even pull mine out of just the regular cases to open them up and look at them. Your what? My competition cards. Oh. Wait, you have the case for Donkey Kong competition? Are you that cool, Johnny? I am, yeah. Oh my God, you are so cool. Yeah, Guys, I, don't I, even, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to Johnny for years and I don't even know how cool he is. So, holy Yeah, shit. that's, yeah, I've had it forever. Uh, this is so I'll, I'll make this a more relatable tip, though. Um, if you might be someone who has, say, uh, 450 copies of Super Mario Duck Hunt, those also have date codes on the PCB. So maybe you need to start opening them up and realize that there's more than like four Mario Duck Hunt variants. There could be dozens. Come on, Chris. Chris, you go have find to. document every variant. You are probably in the best position of anyone in the world to document all this garbage. Yep. Yes. Uh, okay. So. Now we've gone off topic again. Should we should we come back to being on topic? Uh, Famicom games. They're, what yeah. were you saying? People are being saying, intellectually dishonest. I think that's probably true. I don't think there's anything wrong with just wanting to collect Famicom games because they're I adorable. Think, they're cute. They're the coolest things. They got these tiny little boxes. I love them. Yeah. Look, I, I don't have a problem, but like when people like people make up weird excuses for it, you know, I, I just don't like... Collect whatever you want. Don't justify it. You don't need to do all that. You don't need to jump through the hoops. Like, don't. Or they're just like, oh, it's too expensive on Nintendo, so I'm going to buy it over here. Okay, that's fine. That's a perfectly reasonable reason. But I hate when people go like, oh, well, you know, I want to play it on the original console. Famicom was, you know, the first, so I'm going to go play that version. That's the one I want to own. But then they've got like a mix of like regular Nintendo games and then Famicom games. And I just look and I'm like, you just did it because it was cheaper. And there is nothing wrong with that. That is a fine reason to do it. It's a fine reason. Uh, you know, especially if you're not a slave to like weird sets and pretend rules that we've made. Then then just do that and just say that. And who cares what people think about it? But don't the weird like weird hoop jumping is the thing I don't like. Anyways, well, let's get on with this episode. Let's talk about uh some popular games uh, with well-known differences between Famicom prices and, uh, you know, NES pricing. Well, I want to start with two disclaimers here. So first, okay. uh, most of our prices are coming from price charting or eBay, which for Famicom games tends to be a lot higher than what you're going to see prices in Japan. But if you, by the time you pay an importer and you're paying double shipping because you're paying the Japanese shipping and then the overseas shipping, it's somewhat comparable to what an ebay price would be ebay also has a convenience factor so prices on ebay are still higher than even that um but we're just going with ebay prices and then uh the second thing we're not going over probably the most popular games are what we're going to be skipping castlevania super mario brothers 3 things like that like games that have increased in price 10 times over the past two years that's it it would be such a snapshot in time for us to compare prices there because historically super mario brothers 3 on famicom kind of worth nothing super mario brothers 3 on nes worth a little bit more than nothing but like they were in the same range of these are both the most common things on planet earth uh but now 
you know, Mario and some Castlevania games have spiked up so much that it wouldn't be a fair comparison. Whereas the games we're going to be going over are, they have big price differences because of differences in the tastes of the market and the game. And I imagine many of these differences will stay that way, even as prices go weird. Yeah. I mean, unless, like you said, unless some uh, hype happens around one of these things, then these prices should remain at least consistent in ratio to one another. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Because uh, there are after, no rules anymore, Johnny. No, I was going to say, we we are in the time of Mad Max. Uh, the Thunderdome has been opened. We've all been invited in, so I, I can't say for sure what's going to happen anymore. I also want to point out, um, I can say, I, I, I'm almost sure I can speak for both of us, Johnny. I don't understand the Japanese market, and I don't understand what they put value on. Because no, no idea. Uh, Super Mario Brothers is a great example. That is a cheap game in Japan, uh, just like it was in America forever, but it's still probably like $25 to $40 will get you a pretty nice copy of Super Mario Brothers. Ninja Gaiden, that's like a $90 game. And Dragon Warrior, it's like $50 to $70, I think. But it's just... That's not how America would have worked, or that's not how America is going now. So uh, I don't really understand uh, their tastes or what they put value on. So we're just basically looking at numbers and somewhat guessing on why they are the way they are. Yeah, well, and it, you know, what's extremely popular over here isn't necessarily the same. Like, obviously, Zelda and stuff is universal, but not every game was, you know, some games that were super big here. Like, wasn't Metroid not super big there initially? Like I don't that's know. was that I something I, am I making Mike am I making that up that's something I thought I heard uh they're jerks if that's true because Metroid is so good I mean it, yeah. it, that sounds totally reasonable because like the entire genre of first person shooter Japanese people are just like those stupid Americans and their stupid genre I don't think they care about that nearly as much as Americans do yeah I'm unsure but uh anyways th- that was all just to say that that we don't you know we aren't of that culture. We didn't grow up there. We don't have the same nostalgia buttons. So we don't like, we, we can't speak for the, for uh, a whole Island that we don't, you know, have a great understanding of as Tyler said, we can only look at the numbers. So our data has no context in, in that regard. Sure. All right. So Johnny, let's start off with uh, the popular games with well-known differences. What's the first one we've got? Uh, Castlevania three, you know, game no one's ever heard of. Akumaja Dracula 3. That game doesn't work right in my Famiclone. The music sounds messed up. It's unplayable. Yeah, it's because it has a special chip on the Ooh. on the Famicom. Special sound chip. It, you know, it's not... Like, they designed a special chip. We've talked about this uh, on the show before, where that Castlevania had a special... Like, they got more out of it because they built more sound channels into a special chip in the cart. So when it went to the Famicom, it, you know, produced super great sound even though the soundtrack that we got was still very very good it's true so yeah so the you know on NES you can get a cart for like 35 bucks to you know uh 130 dollars for a cib around there you know you you can get like a worse copy for under that if, you know you look hard you can find them for like 190 dollars in that range but famicom you know the cart's a little more expensive there it's like 55 and the completes are definitely more expensive, 150 and up usually. Yep, and I, 
you were talking about how, you know, people don't buy things to play. I would say that for these first few set of games, especially Castlevania 3, I think this is a cartridge people buy to play with the expansion audio. Sure. With that I mean, MMC5 there, there are, chip. There are, there, you know, there are some exceptions. You know, it's really weird because there are some, like, popular stereotypes and tropes about, like, Japanese gaming compared to American gaming. Like they just say like, Oh, Japanese gaming is so much harder. Like that, you know, Americans are just bad, lazy gamers and they're not good at video games. So we like dumb them down, but they have like password systems. Like before we did games that we just got like three continues. And that was it. They just had passwords for there's like a lot of stuff that like the game technically may have been a little bit harder, but they had ways to like, you know, ease that difficulty, which because, uh, you know, the NES in a lot of ways, uh, compared to like the Famicom and the disc system and, you know, was just a little bit of an inferior system in, in some regards. It was just a little behind the technology. It felt like, uh, at least for like passwords and stuff. So, you know, some of those games were, some of those games were easier in Japan, but you know, if you ask people the the normal stereotype is Japanese games are harder. I think there's, I don't know. My uh, my first thought is immediately the next game on our list, Johnny. So I do not have that thought immediately. Uh, yeah, Ninja Gaiden Three, a game that never comes up on Collector's Quest, which is really weird. Um, Castlevania and Ninja Gaiden, we never talk about them. Yes, never. Uh, Ninja Gaiden Three, way easier. The Japanese version. It was uh, we've said it before, but kind of developed in the same mindset as a Kirby game. Uh, where they wanted a game where more people would be able to beat and enjoy it. Uh, also, has a password system. Uh, I think it also has unlimited continues, so it's easier unlimited continues, and has a password system on a game that's like 20 minutes long. Which is the reason Americans, I guess, want to play it. Uh, so people do frequently import this one, but it is cheaper on Famicom, because it's kind of uncommon in America. So NES, that's a $50 cartridge. Famicom, it's a $30 cartridge. And right now they're about $212 complete on NES. And uh, I said $100 on Famicom. I don't think there was a recent sale, but there is an unsold one for $100. Okay. And then I I haven't really looked at this one. I just know that the price difference is always crazy. And I'm not sure why, but uh, Contra. T- tell me about Contra. What What is going on with a game that you can buy on the Nintendo for, you know, $25, $30, uh, 135 complete in box why why does it go between 44 cart to 450 complete on the famicom so i i for some reason i thought that contra was like a later release on the famicom i might have incorrectly said that on collector's quest but both versions came out in february of 1988 and wikipedia lists specific dates it says like the american version came out a week before the japanese version but Having specific so dates for games from print? the 80s are yeah, real first prints, the American one. Having specific dates for games from the 80s, I don't believe them unless you could like actually prove it. Largely because games often didn't have specific release dates. So it's like, where are no, you they're... even getting that date from? Yeah, well, for people who don't know, like back now, everything has like these staged release dates. And that was like a big thing that like kind of with Sonic 2 became more standardized. Like they had Sonic Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. Um but like made it a thing, but, and then like in the nineties and stuff, you had like media, was it media Wednesdays or Tuesdays? I think it was Tuesdays released. And then comics were always on Wednesdays. So they had like these specific release days and then they started to publish when they were going to 
do these bulk shipments. Back in Nintendo, they were like, they only had so many batches. So it might come out in Florida, you know, one week and then a month later hit California. They weren't like, here's the street date for this game. It came out, you know, it, I, I, I'm assuming that the date they would use is the date they sent the first batch to uh, a shipping depot. Sure. And like, I don't, I don't even know how games worked in Japan versus America in terms of oh, no release idea. dates and things like that. Yeah. Also, I know um, Wikipedia has specific release dates, but Moby Games, I think, just says February. So uh, when there's, whenever there's a discrepancy, that probably means there's not a really solid source for a release date, and you should take everything with a grain of salt. But that's not the reason Contra is crazy expensive on Famicom. No, why is it? I don't know. Um, you don't know? I'm guessing because Contra is one awesome... And two, it is just dirt common in America and maybe less dirt common in Japan. But also, uh, the Famicom version of Contra is absolutely the definitive uh, definitive version of the game. Um, it has the Konami VRC2 mapper, uh, which is... So a mapper is just basically the hardware configuration of the actual cartridge. So if you put your own special hardware configuration into an NES cartridge or a Famicom cartridge, you can make it do fancier things, which Konami did in Contra. It's got uh, cutscenes and animated backgrounds are the two things you're immediately going to notice uh, on the Famicom version that are not in the NES version. And in some levels, there's like a huge difference. So there's uh, the trees sway in the first level and there's like a blizzard in the snow level that looks better. But in the last level, when it's like all alien kind of Geiger slimy nonsense, uh, like that's all animated. Like everything is just creepy crawly in the whole last level of Contra. And it's f***ing awesome. Is it $450 awesome? I don't know. Uh, but that one is one that's much more expensive on Famicom. I mean, I think we've we've mentioned this before, but uh, I, I want to get your take again. Uh, so is it, oh God, what is the name in Europe? Probotector, is that correct? Yeah, that's the European name. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm always like adding an extra like E or B into that. Uh, what, which uh, are they the same game? <laughs> yes, they are. Even though they have different sprites and different names. Uh, yes, just like the and, game that comes and, with different tops connection pogs are the same game. But, I would say Probotector uh, and Contra are the same game. Okay. But from a narrative standpoint, and I think we met, I think we already went down this, but I like to bring it up. Uh, from a narrative standpoint, the change in the sprites changes the story of the game. Sure. Like a lot. It, you know, you're like two dudes versus like two robots. That that's a lot different. Uh, the teenage mutant hero turtles in Europe were not ninjas. Are they no longer the teenage mutant ninja turtles? I mean, but they were heroes that still did, like, martial arts and everything. They didn't change them. They weren't suddenly the Teenage Mutant, like, Ninja Canaries. Well, so if you think he changed the species, that would be different if he kept everything else yeah. the same? Yeah, like, because, well, they're, they're still turtles, right? So you're not changing them from being turtles. You are changing them, like, now, it, you know, a robot versus, uh, you know, a a bio a bio being you know like a human versus a robot that's a big difference that's a big difference in story you know all you have to think about like okay what what is the world like where they have like robots who can be the heroes and protectors of their of this whole planet that's a lot different than you know something that looks like they they dropped aliens into the middle of vietnam 
I, with all of this, I err on the side of everything is the same, basically. Because if the, the gameplay is 100% identical and it's it's just graphics or story or just, there's like aspects that are different, but it's fundamentally the same game, I err on the side of it is the same game. So Doki Doki Panic and Super Mario 2, same game? I don't know enough about the differences besides the graphics, but yes, probably, yes. Okay. All or right. yeah. so... You guys should at me. Okay, let, let us know so what you guys think of this. that's a very interesting one because Doki Doki Panic was re-released in Japan as Super Mario USA, so it technically also was in Japan as Super Mario Brothers Two, the way it is in America. So now I don't know. That's a very weird case. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I I just want people to think about that, like the idea that aliens were there, and you like you know aliens being descending into Vietnam versus uh, a world that you would expect to be futuristic if they have robots that can be their protectors and, you know, defend the planet. So it's just a, the thing is I don't want to make a subjective judgment call on when a game is different enough to be different. Like if there's a version of mortal Kombat with blood versus sweat, is that a different game? Like, no, I don't want to make that. You, that you're not changing. Like that's a graphic, difference uh that does not affect the narrative okay what about you know a, a typo that's corrected i, I mean that, if there was a version of double dragon that had billy and jimmy instead of bimmy and jimmy technically that's a whole different character i mean that that has happened in games where they like change people's names and like change them back and forth until they they get it right until they you know decide on this nope this is the thing and they kind of retcon a little bit i i don't know there's a it's a weird thing with games where that, like a lot of other genres, don't have to deal with. So, you know, just let me know what you guys think. We, yes. we don't need to solve this or anything. I was um, just the Star Wars like special editions have never had to deal with uh, changes that are made that we have to decide if they're canon or not. Yeah, you know, people love to bring up Star Wars special editions. They're like, "Yeah, Lucas is the first asshole who ever changed his art." It's like, well, I mean, what about Tolkien? Like, Tolkien totally changes the Hobbit multiple times in fact uh you know i think it's in the fourth edition of the hobbit you know where tolkien goes and he has to change part of the story and demands that his publisher releases a new print because when lord of the rings is coming out it won't make sense to the lord of the rings unless they do some fundamental changes so like uh bilbo when he's with Gollum and they're you know wagering for the ring it's a wager versus like a game of riddles it's a different sequence there you know, and also the whole goblins and orcs things and like what that means. It's a whole different thing that that he retcons to fill in to Lord of the Rings better. So I'm just saying Lucas isn't the first guy who ever changed things. People love to to pillory uh pillory Lucas for this, even though now people are coming back around because the the sequel trilogies, people feel so strongly against those. And uh, prequel memes are good and interesting, which doesn't make the prequels good, guys, just so we know. Uh, you know, So people are starting to like come around, thinking like, oh, no, Lucas was a hero. Like, when I was, you know, 20-ish and uh, the prequels came out, Lucas was the enemy. He destroyed Star Wars. Now people think, like, he's the guy. Kathleen Kennedy is the enemy. And uh, Lucas can bring him back, and with Filoni and Favreau, they can save Star Wars. 
And maybe that's true. Like maybe, you know, like I enjoy the Mandalorian. I enjoy the thing that's happening. I will tell you, and this is like, this is a little bit joke and a little bit true. Uh, I am really mad at Dave Filoni because one, he loves, I don't know if he loves the prequels, but he's got a certain reverence for them and he's going through and, and attaching things in the Mandalorian and, you know, through rebels and clone wars. Like he's, he's making some of the choices that I hated in the prequels. He's like justifying those choices and then like showing good uses of them in the future, which I hate. I hate that. I hate that. I have to look back and be like, Oh yeah. And then like kind of have a good feeling for something I dislike intensely. Uh, you know, it, it's messing with me a little bit. So thanks Dave Filoni. Everything that's good in star Wars. That's not the original trilogy. I just think of like, Oh, that's interesting. They made a good star Wars thing at this point. Like I don't care about so much star Wars that, Oh yeah. I'm well, not I mean, invested I, in anything. You can't ruin look, star Wars to me at this point. It has no, quote unquote already been ruined by all the excess garbage there is. Uh, you know, I, I'm at that point where it's like, look, I just love the original trilogy. And then if something cool happens in the star Wars universe and I get to like, look at it on TV or movies, then, Hey, cool. I, I'm not like, I'm not, I, I was already stabbed in the heart and that I already died. Right. So the, the sequel trilogies didn't ruin me or anything. It's all just stuff that happened now. I can just go watch it. Enjoy it. Even though, you know how much I love star Wars. Um, I do, but I don't need, I, I don't need everything to be perfect anymore. We're, I'm past that. Yeah. Hey, I don't like Anyways. Star Wars, and uh, I like The Mandalorian. It's just a cool space western show. If you guys haven't watched it, take it from a Every- guy who doesn't like Star Wars. It's a good show. Yeah, Mandalorian's great. Favreau and Filoni, what do you want? Uh, okay, so, what? like, what? man, we are doing a really bad job at doing this episode. <laughs> next up is star wars on the famicom yeah, star wars uh oh, super cheap you can you can get the namcot version no we're not talking about that um expensive games just like in general they can be expensive for the famicom they can be expensive for the nest we're just going to talk about a few that have like huge price discrepancies one way or the other and we got a couple of uh pal nest releases in here for illustrative purposes too uh so well, let's go with your first one. What is Lickle? Uh, Lickle is uh, an amazing uh, Taito Famicom game. It's a platformer that is not overrated and uh, is very fun to play. I don't know what Little Samson is. I've never heard of that one. Um, no, it's a Bible game, right? Yeah, I think it's a Bible game. Maybe it's another name for Bible adventures. Anyway, yeah, Little Samson is a $1,300 cartridge or $3,000 complete. Ooh. Those price I took those from price charting. I haven't actually looked at recent prices. That seems very much the same as it's always been, which is something we say on the show. Um, one day that's going to change, and that rule is not going to hold fast. But uh, I thought it I thought it just like wasn't true, because I think it just experienced like a bump. Did it? I mean, I, I would not so. be surprised with Corona. A bump or a dip. Something happened to the price of it, because we were talking about consistent for so long, it like un- Unweathered uh, by the storm, and then all of a sudden, I looked and I'm like, "Wait, something affected Little Samson. The world is ending." Well, it's too bad because those are the prices I wrote down. Also, right. side note, I was gonna say like, "Wow, Ninja Gaiden 3's price is completely flat." Because I was looking at game value now, and it hasn't recorded a price since like 2018 for Ninja Gaiden 3. It's like, oh, I guess I'm gonna switch over to price charting. Uh, another note: don't trust price tracking websites. Do a completed listing search on eBay. Yeah. Also, and we might as well throw this out now too. You know, we complain a lot about 
our pricing websites because they are imperfect. You know, whether I are on game value now or price charting, you know, that they both have their, their benefits and their flaws. Neither of them are perfect, but at least we have them. If you go to like, look up a, a Famicom price guide, like in Japan or Europe, like they're just struggling out there, man. They're, they're just out, out in the dark, making up prices, hoping stuff sticks. I, I, you know, I don't know, like they must always just use eBay completes, which is probably the best market indicator, but, but still, you know, it, it's a, uh, at least we have something we can, you know, quick reference guide versus like, you know, having to do a search in mass on eBay. Yeah. It would be a pain. Um, maybe, maybe they have stuff then we don't know about it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. like, please, if you form. know, tell me, because I would love to have access to these. What if they're like using like text documents, like we did in 1997. Oh man. Like, and fake rarity where yeah. like a group of people just decide on the rarity. This is a four. You're like, we have no idea. We definitely don't have enough data to prove this, but we'll say it's a four <laughs> and then we'll make that stick forever and ever and ever, even though it's not true. Anyway, local <laughs> Johnny, it's a $200 cartridge, three to $400 complete on Famicom. I don't think there's anything special about this game. I both kind of the NES ver- the NES version is not really a special game. It's more of a, the world's biggest hidden gem. Uh, and it's pretty rare. So to me, the Famicom version just seems like a placeholder for someone who actually wants the NES version in this case. Yeah. I mean, probably true. And, and that's what happens a lot. And that's why I went into that whole thing where people are like, I want to play it on this system because blow. No, you don't. It was cheaper. And that's fine. It's fine. You don't need to pay $1,300 for a game. You don't need to. It's okay. Just do whatever you need to do. Don't, I mean, don't, don't, don't buy the PAL version. Buy, buy an NT, ever, yeah, buy an NTSC version that runs at 60 hertz. Don't buy a garbage yeah. NES game like PAL Little Samson. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. Pal, Pal Little Samson could be more expensive for all I know. It's not, but I mean, I that's like the Pal question, though, for like our Pal games that are designed like Pal specific exclusives that are designed around that 50 hertz refresh rate. Do you think those are fine? Like, are those the best versions to play if they're exclusives? Or would you recommend people try and get things that have been uh, ported over to NES and run at? Uh, the NTSC rate. I can't think of any PAL games that were ported to NTSC. Uh, like, uh, not not like there are none. It's just like I'm not an expert in the area. Like, is there an example of a game you have? I don't. I was... Look, you saw how much I struggled just to use words for sure. that minute. Yeah, please, you know what? Just edit all that out. Just cut the whole thing. It was <laughs> a pointless conversation. All right. Oh, my God. Okay, so let's move on to our next game, which is Squoon. If you don't know about Scoon in the Scoon? U.S. Scoon? Scoon? How do you, I don't, Scoon? There's no U. I How do you pronounce it? A Scoon? I think it's Scoon, like Schooner. So uh, I, I think that's correct. I don't know. Um, I'm going to take a wild guess and say this game was uh, named in English based on something that sounds similar on the Japanese name. I actually don't know what the Japanese name is, but I'm going to guess it's just some idiot who's just like, oh, it looks like Scoon to me. Yeah, so Scoon. It's a submarine game by Irem, uh, which is weird because when this game was produced, I think I read that Irem didn't have any, like anyone to do service out out in the states for it. So it was like serviced by Border Bund. It's like a weird game. Anyways, it's an old hang tab game. So if you want it in the box for the NES, it is one thousand ish dollars. 
So the last one sold for a grand, and then one before that in a terribly beat up box was like eight ninety or something. It wasn't that but, beat up, but like the hang tab was messed. Well, up. yeah, I, that's it's a hang tab game. So I, you know, as uh, I've been taught to do lately, I just stare at the hang tab, and if the hang tab is trash, <laughs> I'm like, the whole box must be garbage now because the hang tab is ruined. Um, anyways, it's a thousand dollars. The only ones for sale are like twelve and thirteen hundred dollars. Some of them have best offers, but if you want a Famicom one, well, then just dish out thirty five dollars and forty bucks. It's yours. No big deal. Complete, complete. box, to be clear. Yeah. So that's it's like a weird Yeah, don't 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 spend thirteen hundred dollars if you don't have to. Also in Japan it does have the schoon uh name on it as well. The sub is pink though. So is it just a Japanese name that we translated over? Does schoon mean something? Is that just the name I, of the ship? I you know, I have no idea. I'm going to look it up. Let's look up Schoon let's, Dictionary. Let's look up our Schoon. what we're supposed to know about. Uh, well, I didn't expect you to ask me what the name I, is. I don't know. It's an interesting name. Occur? I have no idea. Uh, swoon? Nope. Uh, it's not a real word. So, All right. Well, I'm going to say it's name of the ship. I don't know anything about Schoon except that people pay a lot of money for the box. <laughs> so do you want to know what Urban Dictionary has to say about it? What does it have to say, Johnny? Uh, and I know, and this is not correct. So schoon spelled S Q O O N is pronounced schoon, uh, resembling or acting douchey. These individuals to whom negative attention is drawn intentionally dressing, tattooing oneself for the sole intent of drawing what a douchebag stares. These individuals have been known to travel in groups and frequent similar bars and establishments. Hi, here's the example. Hi, I'm actually looking for an affliction shirt or Ed Hardy apparel that would accent my dope new arm tattoo. Schoon. So weird that a Japanese game developer would uh, base their entire name of their game on that unknown American slang. Uh, Yeah, definitely not, especially since that slang is dated uh, in 2011, uh, and Wikipedia, you know, tells me that this game came out in 1986 in Japan and 1987 in North America. Are you telling me I can get the first print for just $35, Johnny? Yeah, first print, <laughs> the real first print, 35 bucks. Got that pink sub, a weird, weird frowny fish, uh, submarines that look like, I don't know, nerf darts on the box like go look at the box art it's it's really weird though I, I like it but it it's like a weird it's a weird art anyways that's all i got there's nothing there's nothing for me to tell you about this game except it's got a hang tab it's a pain in the ass to find and it's expensive welcome to nintendo but i i think this is one of those games that in the modern era of collecting you know investing i don't think investors care about this game yet so at least there's that no they do Third-party hang tabs, Johnny. Watt is going to write an article about it, so it'll be the next big thing. Has been the word for two years now. Yeah, I mean, it's happened, right? Like, they've got into Konami and Capcom hang tabs, which makes sense. One day we'll get into Irem hang tabs. And people have been, like, moving over into, like, oh, this game's got a rare hang tab, so you should care. And no, you probably shouldn't. Who cares? Especially I mean, if it's a garbage game. Anyways. You surf the trends, Johnny. Don't be in what's hot now. Figure out what's going to be hot tomorrow. And at this point, I have no idea what's going to be hot tomorrow. But nope. uh, anyway, 
Do it. I think the next, next game is the most interesting thing in the entire conversation wrong. of NES versus Famicom, Johnny. Nope, you're going to be wrong. No, I'm 100% right. Uh, nope. It is Gimmick, released in uh, like Sweden or Scandinavia as Mr. Gimmick, which is a very hot PAL NES game. Uh, if it's not the most expensive PAL NES game, it's like top three. And uh, it is a $722 cartridge and $1,350 complete on NES. And on Famicom, it is still very collectible. It's like a $400 cartridge or $800 complete. Uh, this is a later release NES game, uh, 1992 on Famicom, 1993 in Europe, which is super late in addition to its limited distribution, which is why it's uh, a rare game. And I guess just for reference, I think that the... The rarest PAL NES games are Phantom Air Mission, which is Flight of the Intruder, weirdly enough, and Snowboard Challenge, which is Heavy Shredding. I have no idea why. I'm pretty sure like, you can't even find those games at all. Uh, I think there was just a Phantom Air Mission on eBay listed for something like $7,000 or something ridiculous. Oof. So like, a gimmick I know is not the most expensive or rarest uh, PAL NES game, but uh, from us weird Americans, it's the one we want the most, at least. It's kind of like Europe's uh, Little Samson, because uh, it's also a really cool game. It's a platformer uh, with excellent graphics and style. It looks like a Kirby game, and uh, it, you throw, uh, you kind of pick up a star and throw it around, and it's got physics. Uh, just one of the best-looking NES games and one of the most advanced NES games, uh, bar none. Again, very similar to Little Samson, which is another very great-looking game. The thing about Gimmick the original first print, oh my god, the Japanese version uh, runs at 60 hertz. The PAL version, which is the more collectible one, runs at 50 hertz. And I totally understand your point, Johnny. You don't want to play the game. Who cares? Whatever. To me, the fact that the PAL version is essentially running in slow motion, I think it runs, what is it? It's like 16% slower when you play uh, uh, the PAL version of an unoptimized NES game. That version is kind of garbage because it's it's not going to be the version I'd ever want to play, even though it's the cool version to own. Uh, also, the Famicom version has expansion audio. So I don't know. Little Samson It's the same thing. Japan versus America. Obviously, I think I want the American version. This I don't know. I think I would want the Famicom version more than the NES version or I would want both. But I can't tell. Hmm. OK, what about box art wise? What what do you give the nod on box art to? Uh, they're both I don't know. So I, I'm doing it on memory, but the the B Japanese B one has like a stylistic little gimmick looking kind of cute, and the in between one is him getting like sucked stuff. into a vortex. I think I like the Famicom gimmick box more. Yeah, I think I like the Famicom one one more. It almost looks like like a claymation shot. Oh so. yeah, that, I wasn't even thinking of the right box, but yeah. So he's looking he's looking like a cute little green Kirby on. Yeah, yeah, and the other one, like the, the like, I might, I normally like like a vortex. I just don't like whatever is happening here. Uh, though I do like the name Mister Gimmick better than Gimmick. No, oh, I like Gimmick way more. They I like just... that, that. Like that, you have to call him Mister. Yeah, it's so silly. It's such a <laughs> yeah, weird like, thing. Hello, Mister Gimmick. Like, but uh, yeah, definitely Famicom box art for me. Anyways, not that that should matter at all, but. Um, I would like to play this game. I, I never have played through this one. Some of them I've played, like Banana Prince I've I've played, but I've never played this. And what's the Australian one? Um, Euphoria? Euphoria is one I've played as well. 
I, I say Australian. Been. I don't know if that's Australian or not. Yeah, Gimmick's uh, awesome. It's one of those games where, uh, so I've never beat Gimmick. If I remember, I don't remember how many stages there are, but like you have to find the all the super hard secrets in every stage and then beat the game without dying to unlock the last level to actually beat the game, um, oh, which Jesus. is similar to like, uh, like a bubble bobble, I guess, or uh, anyway, it's uh, I'm pretty sure it's super hard if you actually want to beat it. Uh, we should we should play gimmick one day, Johnny. Let's do it. Okay, yeah, let's do it. I it looks awesome. Uh, I like the way it looks. And so, it looks what like version do you want? Do you want the better version for half the price, or do you want uh, the PAL version, probably, which only would, came out in Scandinavia? I would probably get the PAL version. I know you. You would get the PAL version. Yeah, just because I don't. know. You know, I I dabble in PAL stuff, anyways, and I have debated buying like a few more PAL games. I have. Uh, like three pal NES games and that's it. But I debate buying more. I've got a couple. I don't know. I've got like the Lion King. Like all the ones I have are like you know, Aussie footy football or whatever <laughs> that were like, yeah. yeah, it's $20. I guess I'll buy it because it's exclusive. Yep. That's, uh, it's a good reason to do it. You know, I, I want to get Banana Prince. I would like to get Gimmick. I would like to get Euphoria, but there's just like a few cool games that I would like that are pal, especially because the boxes fit next to the other Nintendo boxes. Yeah, that's a big deal for me. If it doesn't fit next to it, like I like the small box ones because I think they're cool, but they also don't fit exactly on the shelves just right. So that that puts me off a little bit. Like Devil World, where you can only find in the small box. Yeah. So. And speaking of Devil World, I'll just also, go wait. I just want to give an update oh. because I said it. Uh, gimmicks thirteen hundred and fifty dollars. I don't remember where I got that price. Probably a price tracking website. There is one sale. The last one was a buy it now for two thousand. So take whatever price you want with the grain of salt. Gimmick is a crazy expensive game. Yeah, there's just not that many usually up. So a lot of times it's yeah within reason of the last sold price is kind of what it goes for. Yep. So. If you're looking, then you're probably paying. Now Anyways. that I've ruined your transition, Johnny, speaking yeah. of Devil World. Well, speaking of Devil World. Hey, Miyamoto's cool, right? Everyone likes Miyamoto? Uh, who's that? I I don't know. I'm, I'm reading your note here. It says, and I quote, everybody likes Miyamoto, right? Question mark. <laughs> Wait. No. I did not There's actually no, write I that just, somewhere. I'm just that? kidding. There's no script here. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, we do have like a little note of like games we're going to talk about, but there's no actual script. Uh, Devil World. So Miyamoto, this game is very cheap on Famicom. Very, very cheap. Let me tell you again, if you care and you're like, oh man, I got to get all them Miyamoto games. Like, and this one's got like a name like Devil World. That sounds awesome. It's got like a black box version in, in Europe. Oh my God. It's a small black box, but it's got that black box art. It's $1,200. But if you want the Famicom one, it's like 35 bucks. I think to be fair, I think it's a unsold buy it now right now on eBay is 1200 but I don't think there's any sold listings either. So that's no, a guess at a price. there's not. So again, but it's whatever, uh, 1200 1900 800 1500 could be anywhere in that range, but it isn't $35. It sure is. Devil World is a game day. where if you buy a lot of Famicom games, like just random common garbage, you are likely to get a copy of Devil World. Yep. And that Dragon Warrior 4 that you can't play and Devil World, they'll be right next to each other. Sandbox. So anyways, 
if you want to check out Devil World, it's an interesting game. You can buy a, a U.S. repro. I don't recommend it, uh, though some of us on this podcast may own one, not naming any names. Johnny. Oh, hmm. that's, wait, that's me. Hmm. Uh, I, look, I was young. I didn't know any better. I was like, it's Miyamoto. I want, like, I don't advocate for that now. Just, uh, you learn and you grow and you get past it, okay? It was the early 2000s. I didn't know what I was doing. Somebody told me it was a black box game. Devil World. It's a, it's a fine game. You can, if you just want to play it, just go grab a ROM. Don't buy the US repro. Just, like, I, I would actually probably just recommend picking up the Famicom version. Uh, not just because of the price, but also because I don't know if th- this is one of the reasons I asked Tyler. I don't know if that uh, the different frame rates there are going to mess you up. The different hertz it runs on. So uh, I don't know if that changes know. the game. So that's all I got. That's that's Devil World. If you haven't seen it, go check out some videos of Devil World. Decide if you want it. Maybe one day we'll go through all of Miyamoto's games and which are collectible and which aren't. So you want to collect Miyamoto. I I can't actually immediately find if Devil World was optimized for PAL. I would just assume not because so many games were not optimized uh, for PAL NESs, meaning uh, the PAL version of Devil World probably runs in slow motion. Um, This is a very different case than gimmick, though, because uh, Devil World on Famicom, I, I don't actually believe this in the way I would say it is it's garbage, meaning it's so common that you could easily pick it up for, it's going to be available all day at very low prices. I wouldn't say that buying Devil World on Famicom is a substitute for buying the super cool PAL version if that's the version you really want. Whereas with Gimmick, the version on Famicom is still so collectible, I do believe that could be an acceptable substitute for the PAL version. Yeah, this is not about substitution. I was stating merely as uh, something you want to play. Yeah. If you want to play, it's probably on Switch, NES. It's probably not because it has crosses, right? All right. Yeah. It's probably on Switch in J- Japan. Go get a Japanese Switch. Just download a ROM. Go to CoolROM.com, our sponsor of the show. I don't even know if that website still exists. I just bring it up because it's what I used in high school all the time. That that was literally your website was CoolROM.com? CoolROM.com. Yes, that's where I would I would get my I ROMs I thought that was just a joke. You, school computers. I literally thought that was a joke you've just been oh, saying. Oh, no. No, it's a real website. I did not know that was real. Or it was. <laughs> At one point, it was real. All right. Good to know. Okay, let's let's move on. Uh, we're just kind of lagging here. What are some more oh. expensive games? Uh, I put stadium events because last year I got a, a brand new Famicom copy for 50 bucks. And obviously on NES, that's some tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, yeah, you guys have heard of that game before. Famicom. Yeah. Now, who cares about stadium events? Garbage. Uh, uh tell me, <laughs> tell me about Bomberman 2. Bomberman 2, Bomberman 2. It's just another perfect example of a game that is cheaper on Famicom. And it's only expensive on NES because people need it as like this uncommon set filler. So I thought this was interesting. On NES Bomberman 2 right now, it's $117 for a cart and $210 complete in box. It's less than double the price for a complete in box copy of a game Ooh. I think most people would say is somewhat uncommon. Um, which yeah, is that's showing you so many people are just buying up loose copies to complete their loose NES sets. Uh, so well, I would say re- Bomberman 2 complete in box on NES is probably a deal. That's what I'm saying. Like, remember we did that episode where we talked about the threshold, right? Where 
where if you look at the complete box game and you look at the the loose cart and you you look at the the divide there like what is the difference in cost if it isn't that much buy the complete because you can always sell off the other stuff sure yeah Um, or you could just keep it Uh or you could do that what one it'll probably pay more dividends i mean in our game draft we saw that complete and box stuff well outperformed cart stuff even on like quality cart games when we did the original retro draft for a thousand dollars the stuff that we bought cart only increased a little bit but the stuff even though we paid more for the box versions the percent of increase there was much higher so something to keep your mind on and uh no, maybe someplace to put your money instead of card-only stuff. Johnny, I'm I'm no longer a card-only type collector because I'm pretty sure I have every cartridge I've ever wanted. So yeah. all I have left is to buy complete inbox games. Welcome I guess I could club. technically like maybe if I got into like Jaguar, but even then I'd probably just I'd get them complete at this. Point. Uh, Jaguar games are so ugly uh, and they're curved. How yeah, would you put them also, on Jaguar, anything? Like all those games are available new old stocks. So <laughs> I hate the Jaguar. Anyway, Bomberman 2, it's like 20 bucks on Famicom. That even seems high to me. I think that's just like American prices. This game is dirt common on Famicom. $35 complete. Uh, just another example. Um, two more. We got two more of expensive games. Shatterhand or Tokyo Shire Soul Brain. Shatterhand's like $200 complete a- on NES now, which seems high to me uh, as someone who bought a sealed Shatterhand about a year ago for $200. No, the last Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Yes. But it is, it's sort of, uh, I don't know if cult classic is the word. It's its one of those games that the people who play NES games really like. On Famicom, it's like four to $600. And that is multiple sales completed on Yahoo Auctions. It's based on a TV show. They are basically the same game. Uh, you play as some kind of like robot guy in the Famicom version. I have no idea why this game is worth $500 in Japan. Maybe it's a super popular TV show. And what are you in the US cop? Uh, you're a cool ass guy with a hand that explodes into a metal something. What are you? Does your hand just... I have not paid attention to the story of Shatterhand, Johnny. I could barely tell you the story of Ninja Gaiden 3, and I play that game a lot. This is another one of those games where they, they just changed it for for reasons. Like, I, I don't know if they thought the American audience would be turned off. They're like, oh, man, th- all these assholes just want to be like Chuck Norris. and like Yeah, they want to be a cool like, guy so, with sunglasses. Yeah, he's got to be like Chuck Norris or Sylvester Stallone or Charles Bronson. Is that a name you even know? Is like that like used to be the action hero of like the old people when I was young. Like not not just like John Wayne was before that and Clint Eastwood was like before that, but like Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson were like these like action stars before it was just like all Arnold and and Sylvester Stallone. Did you uh, have that? I, I would not bring up Charles Bronson is not a name that I would ever bring up, Johnny. Death Wish. Okay. All right. No. Just curious. Oh, wait. Wait. Is he the same guy in Death Wish 3? Yes. He's in all the Death Wishes. Okay. Well, except for the remake, which I think had Bruce Willis. I don't remember. Anyways. Starring Charles. Okay. All right. So if you say the Death Wish 3 guy, I'm 100% on board and I know who it is. Okay. There we go. All right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Because that was like... I didn't want to watch any movie with Charles Bronson in it because he was like 
It was like the old people stuff, and I wasn't into it when I was a kid. Anyways. That's uh, just and then, learn, and then learning about Europe Johnny. is like Contra. This is the coolest, most testosterone-filled game ever. Let's turn them into robots. Yep. <laughs> They're like, what? What do we want these guys for? Give me some robots any day. All right. Uh, it's fine. Abadox, Johnny. So this this is the find of the show. <laughs> find, find of, of the, the show. show. Uh, in terms of things we didn't know, uh, tell us, Johnny. Okay, so Abadox. If you are like Tyler, myself, and I think most other collectors, you've looked at this Milton Bradley gem because it starts with A and you've seen it, and it's got just horrible box art. It looks like the guy who drew Mega Man 1 uh, drew the main character, and then that guy's child drew the rest of the box, <laughs> and Milton Bradley was like, that's fine. We don't give a shit we're Milton Bradley. We'll, to be, we'll put so it it's like a spaceman in like a red and green suit, which is yeah. totally cool looking. Yeah, it, you are not in a red and green suit in the game. Anyways, this is a this is a shoot 'em up. This is like, you know, if you get to the Europe version, you're it's like a cool ship. It's a Natsume title. It's all dark looking. Uh, we mentioned Geiger before, but it looked like it could be an alien pod out of Geiger. You could like be in that world. And if you actually look at the gameplay for this. And I can't believe I've never, I'm so turned off by the stupid looking box and the fact that it was Milton Bradley. I'm like, well, by the makers of Connect Four, no way am I f-ing playing this game. <laughs> Goodbye. I will go do something else. I'm not into this. But you look at the Japanese version, you're like, wait, that actually looks pretty cool. And then you look at the back of the box and it, it looks like uh, some sort of mashup between like Metroid and um, what I say, Gradius a little bit. Like life force, it just looks like a cool shmup all of a sudden, and I did not know that. I did not know that or think that at all. Famicom box, so much better, so much better. I mean, even the, so, the logo is the same between the two of them, but it looks out of place on the NES box. It's like this metallic Abadox logo, and then it's got like red sh- growing on it, like in a I- very like. It's to me, it grim. looks like kids it's a grim toothpaste. logo for how cartoony the box art is. Yeah, like it for me, I'm like, what is all that pink foamy stuff? It looks like kids' toothpaste foaming up. But then you look at the Famicom box and you're like, oh, that's like guts or something. That's gore. Yeah. What is happening here? Go look at Abadox. It is. I I did not expect it. I was surprised. Tyler was surprised too. So I wasn't. So alone I was here. surprised at the price. So I like Abadox. Uh, yeah. Abadox is cool because the whole game takes place inside an alien, which is kind of like what the last level of a lot of shooters are. But in this, like, it's just like everything is intestines, and we're gonna shoot at enemies that are organs. <laughs> it's a gross yeah, game, like, which imagine, is very like, cool. Yeah, imagine like Life Force a little bit, not Gradius, but imagine Life Force. Like imagine you have like top-down shooting and you have side-scrolling shooting. That that's this game and you're inside some creature and it's like really pretty gross and then and you have the worst box art you've ever seen. Yeah. Also, I didn't know it had a uh, a secondary title cuz that's how little I look at it. It's called The Deadly Inner War. What the hell? I don't know, Johnny. It's like the box art's bad, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be drawn to that part of the box. Yeah. Uh, I, anyway, I I wonder. Like now, I just want to go play this game. Now I'm like, I'm like, uh, I should go bust out Abadox because now I'm curious if it's any good. Play gimmick. I want to play gimmick too, <laughs> but you know what? I can't do them all. Anyway, so. Abadox 
on Tell NES, I would say it gets uh, very little respect because it is very common and it's very common new old stock. Uh, you could probably pick up a copy of this for like 80 bucks uh, sealed, but $35 complete. Famicom, cool box art. Everything about this is cool. I had no idea. $300 uh, complete in box on Famicom. Yeah, that was the other astounding thing. And we were looking for something with like a big price description. And I'm like, Abadox? Why the hell would Abadox be so expensive? And then we started looking and I was like, holy shit, Abadox looks sweet. Go check out Abadox. Do yourself a favor. Go look at that game. And then buy the Famicom copy if you're going to buy one. Yes, definitely uh, get the $300 game that uh, we had no idea was expensive or collectible. If there's anything Collector's Quest should do to you, it should make you, it should take games that you've never even thought about as collectible and make you want to spend hundreds of dollars immediately. This is a 100% hype-driven show. Yeah, Uh, we are hype beasts, so let's, you know, can we get that hype train noise going right now? Abadox! Choo-choo! There we go. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was even looking at, like, some of the art, like, the magazine art. Even the magazine art for this is stupid. <laughs> and I, I think it's just because it's done by Milton Bradley. It, like, I, I really think that the Milton Bradley thing took me as a kid and just removed my ability to see or want this game. And that's how I feel about pretty much anything that's got that ugly-ass Milton ba- Bradley logo on it. Uh, so ugly on a video game so, yeah it, they got like, like this it's great it, border uh yeah it, it's it it's off-putting and i just dislike everything about the the box design for this thing and for all the milton bradley games really and i don't hate milton bradley as a company or anything i just whatever this was terrible anyways that's it um well, you have like one other game you want to mention real quick. Uh, Flintstones about, 2, Johnny. Uh, that's two. like $800 American, uh, $2,500 complete. I don't even know what a Flintstones 2 costs anymore. Uh, to be clear, uh, Flintstones, the surprise at Dinosaur Peak. I was like, the revenge at Dinosaur Peak? Yeah. Um, revenge of Dinosaur Peak. Uh, generally considered one of the rarest NES games. Uh, what is it on Famicom, Johnny? Oh, zero. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I see a bunch of sold listings for like 25 nope, zero. to $60. Zero. It's so the, the amount is zero. So uh, I just wanted to bring this up. There are games that came out in America where you will see Famicom versions of them that are all bootlegs. Uh, and Flintstones 2 is just one example of that. Don't try to buy every game cheaper on Famicom because some don't exist. Yep, that is true. Now we have like two other like these are just cool ones this is tyler's games that are too cool for america Uh, tyler Uh, yeah so these are just like sweet games that you might want to look at but uh beware of that famicom price uh guevara on famicom known as i've never heard of that game on nes oh that very popular game uh super good game kind of the only i would i would call it a problem only problem is that it has infinite continues so you could just kind of blast through it, but it is a super fun game. $10 for a loose cartridge, $30 complete, $30 complete for Guerrilla War. Uh, great price. Everyone, go buy Guerrilla War. Really one of the best NES games. An SNK title, great publisher. Hard to argue against buying Guerrilla War. Yeah. Guevara, the Famicom version, the original version, you play as Che Guevara, and player two plays as Fidel Castro. And are you kidding me? These are bad dudes. The Cuban Revolution. 
Um, <laughs> that is the only difference. I, I think you you either see player one and player two, like when the stage starts or the stage ends. And in the American version, they just changed it to player one and player two. That is it. Famicom version goes for $40 loose, $350 complete, uh, just for that one difference. I don't know. I'm, I'm just assuming it's because that's an awesome difference. It's a game where you can play as Fidel Castro on Nintendo, and that's why it's so expensive. But actually, I don't know why this game is so expensive on Famicom. Yeah, I, I mean, you... <sighs> It's hard to it's hard for me to believe that people wanted a game out there where uh, you can play as Fidel Castro and uh, you know Che Guevara. I mean, all right, so that that makes sense. Why we don't want people playing as the quote unquote bad guys? Um, and I guess the the I don't next know if that's the, true. Was that what was that? I said I don't know if that's true. It's random speculation. Sure. Um, the next example uh, in the vein of Wolfenstein. Um, they got rid of the bad guy and made the game worse as a result. So, uh, Bionic Commando with the uh, love that game uh, on NES has the much catchier title in Japan of Hitler's Resurrection Top Secret. Um, very on the nose, uh, with very on the nose. What, box so, what do you think well. that game is about? What, it, what? I, I, I don't actually know. What, is, what do you think that means? Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, it could be a game about anything. It could be, It's just like Clue Clue Land. I think it's just an abstract thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> kind of like Mappy Land? Uh, sure. Whatever going on Mappy in Mappy Land. Land. It's just one of those titles that means nothing, right? <laughs> Actually, I don't know the plot of Bionic Commando or Hitler's Resurrection. I mean, Hitler literally gets resurrected. Uh, he's called like Master D in Bionic Commando, and they turned the Nazis into the Bads, B-A-D-D-S. And uh, they also turned swastikas from the Famicom version into like a cool lightning logo in the NES version. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe it was just taken out entirely and I'm thinking of a different game. Uh, but obviously, a ton of changes from Hitler's resurrection to Bionic Commando and uh, $10 in NES uh, for a loose cart, $75 complete Famicom. It's $40 uh, for cartridge. Uh, $250 complete. I don't think I actually found a completed listing. That's uh, based on memory because I just bought one of these uh, like uh, a few months ago. That's a crazy weird game. And like Hitler totally on the box art of that game in uh, in Japan. There's a Nintendo game that has Hitler on the cover. Yeah. And if you like Bionic Commando Rearmed, which you could play on the Xbox on the cover for that, it's got uh, M. Bison. If you haven't seen it, it looks like bison. Okay. I I it's cannot joke. imagine the bionic joke. commando rearmed thing. Yeah, it's got like it looks like bison yelling in the background behind the bionic commando. Uh, so this is a weird one. Um Okay. Cause it makes me think of Wolfenstein 3D because obviously the Nazis are the bad guys. You kill them. I, Hitler's face still explodes in Bionic Commando. I don't think they actually changed it, what Hitler looks like. Maybe they like removed. No, his I think mustache. they kept like yeah, like it does like the grim like melty thing. He gets. I mean, it, it blows yeah. up, but it it kind of looks like uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. When, like yeah. like he looked into the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, if you've never seen the end of Bionic Commando and you want to see Hitler blow up, you should go look that up. Yeah. It's just it reminds me of Wolfenstein 3D because uh, most like the vast majority of American releases of Wolfenstein 3D had their boxes censored. Uh, they removed swastikas. They like censored them and blurred them out, which like at some point makes sense. But at the same time, it's like it's a game about killing Nazis. It's like 
And now we're in the modern era and people are like, yeah, give me more Wolfenstein games. I want to kill more Nazis. So, uh, Ooh, I don't know. I, too soon. Very, maybe too soon. Also, I don't know, maybe Japan was kind of allied with Germany. I don't know how the sentiment was in the 80s. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the fact that we're even confused about this uh, at all is, uh, is weird. Yeah. Uh, we, we should know. Yeah. Interesting game, uh, but also uh, extremely expensive. By the way, the English version, uh, had like a, an eagle or bird emblem instead of the swastika in the Japanese version. It was like a lightning bolt through a swastika. Okay. That's what I'm thinking of then. Yeah. Good difference. Yeah. Anyways, huh. but like, I don't know. I, I think those like the idea of both those games existing is <laughs> they're both. It's, uh, it is pretty funny that they exist. Yeah. It, just that they're there. Like from a collector standpoint, that's the like interesting things like that are, are neat and would make me want to put it in my collection. So is the money worth it? I, I don't, I don't know if I want to spend that kind of money, especially not to put something called Hitler's resurrection in my home. Uh, maybe that's not a great idea just because, you know, he's anybody the bad could guy. True anything. <laughs> I know he's the bad guy, but you know how I, the world I, is I, today. I yeah. I, I just wouldn't want people to see it and then be like, yeah, this, this guy's what I'm about and be like, no, that is, I'm still of the belief that Nazis should be punched in the face. But you, but that's, you're willing to go put Devil World on your shelf, Johnny. Yeah, a game yes, that's I'm, turning our children into Satanists. Yep, I'm, I'm okay with that. What, what's wow? Uh, do we want to talk about politics and religion? Let's do both. Well, yeah, let's get into it. Tell me more about your religion and how you feel about Nazis. Which you know, back in the day talking about Nazis and not liking them and saying that they should be punched in the face wasn't a statement that anyone had a problem with. Oh man, Johnny, you're getting Back in my day. <laughs> maybe too political for collector's quest. Uh, you can edit it. Okay. Or you can leave it in. I don't care. Like I, whatever you believe, you should still believe whatever you think has happened in the United States. If you just think about what a Nazi actually is, you should still be okay with punching them in the face. Uh, all I'm saying. In the immortal words of dead Kennedys, Nazi punks, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, the Bionic Commando, like some of the arts just got like Hitler, like puppeteering in the background. Yeah, it's that's crazy. the box art. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, something. It's crazy. Bo He's like on fire and stuff. You're just like, holy shit. This is like, this is real. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It is, is also, too I mean, hot even for in the eighties, that like wasn't cool. So, wow, it, it's real weird. It's, anyways, too cool uh, for America. <laughs> now that you're <laughs> right, as you're saying, like Hitler's puppeteering, you know, maybe that's not the best choice of words, but still, yeah, too hot for America, too something yeah. for America. Yeah, it's uh, save the too, children from yeah, this game. Yeah, yeah. woo, that's spicy for the eighties and nineties and. Still, that's it, though. That's all the games we wanted to talk about. We did it. Yeah, good job, us. Hey, I don't know. hey we did I it. Think, I, I think the main thing I wanted to bring up uh, was not all Famicom games are cheaper, and some of them have different prices for interesting reasons. Yes, absolutely. And that price discrepancy, like, again, 
on the on the text games, if it's heavy text, you can expect it usually to be cheaper. Also, if it's an exclusive game to that territory or to like any territory, you can expect it to be a little more expensive. So just things to keep in mind. But remember, most of the collecting happens through the U.S. still. I mean, people definitely collect everywhere, but if we're talking what what is still driving the the economics of video games right now, it's you know or at least collecting it. It's still America, I think. I think at least the ones we're interested crazy. in. I, I have n- yeah. no concept of what the collecting scene in Japan is like because every once in a while I will see like a huge Japanese collection and they're always just like perfectly curated, everything in mint condition. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see these guys. They don't come to our forums, so they must have their own forums. I yeah, wonder what they're I mean, saying they, about us and our stupid American versions of the real games that they have. They probably hate it, but who knows? Um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I just know that like all the recent price spikes and everything have been like solely American. Not to say that other collectors aren't involved, but the, it feels very, very much like you know. The price of games has been pushed oh, yeah, hardest sure. in America. Uh, not to say that, but PAL games have been expensive forever. So, you know, maybe I know nothing. Maybe I know nothing about it. I, I'm just going to say, I don't know enough about it, but it seems like uh, just because America is usually a bigger place, not than Asia, but than Europe, you have more collectors here. But that could s- strictly be raw numbers, not actual percentages. Raw I mean, numbers we also always have way to look at enormous houses and disposable yeah. income. Not that Japanese people don't have disposable income, but they also tend to have smaller living spaces where they don't have, uh, say, 10,000 video games. That's true. But why are their special editions gigantic? I don't know. Their special editions are so much bigger than ours. John, I see like the price of Batman Arkham Asylum Collector's Edition. I I've, I was looking for a Batman Arkham Asylum. I didn't turn off my save search. So every once in a while, I see them come up for like 60 to to $100. And I'm like, that's... It's one of my favorite Xbox 360 games. It's just enormous, even though it's like relatively cheap for what it is. Is that uh, the statue one? It comes with a Batarang, I think. It's just like oh, super the- long. Um, oh, yeah, I, that's I don't the Batarang box. That's the where it comes in like a plastic box. Yeah, it would be shit, like almost storing like, like another Miracle box. Piano. Like, where, what am I going to do with this thing? So I just, it's, even it's not it's cheap, as tall, though. It, you know, you would stick it right on top of your Miracle Piano would be the perfect place. I guess uh, that would look so stupid. I don't want to keep those two things together. They're so different. <laughs> they are. Um, all right. So that that's it for that part of the show. Let's move into... The what are we what are we buying and did we play anything? Go through that kind of quick. We don't need to we need to keep the good people on the hook unless you bought a bunch of cool stuff. Did you buy a bunch of cool stuff? We don't have Stefan here to show us off or show us up, so yeah, you, know, right? you could win collecting. Who's gonna win collecting this week? Woo! Uh well, Johnny, I've got uh two big contenders. I think I only bought two games. I, I literally bought everything at the end of last year. It was crazy last year. I bought Jam It on Sega CD on um Sega Genesis with the CD for $10. Oh, Ooh. goodbye. I don't they listed it. They knew what they had. They said near mint with CD and it was only $10. I figure why not buy that? That seems like a good deal. I don't have the CD, so I'm really just buying it for the CD. I've had that save search set up for like a year. And they come up, but it's like ugh, I don't want to pay however many dollars for jam. I'm not paying like 60 bucks for that CD. So I'm happy with that. And the other thing I bought was Complete in box Famicom game, uh, Popeye. Uh, oh, really? 
yeah, it was 15 bucks. It's in like okay shape. 15 bucks, I cannot complain. Uh, I do want to get all of the Pulse Line games, which are the Famicom kind of equivalent of the Black Box series. And a lot of the games are the same too, just like Popeye. Does it have different art or is it? Like uh, yeah, cause all the Famicom games, they're all like hand-drawn art. I, th- oh, okay, I think they cool. all are. Um, as opposed There's to a our Popeye weird post art is it Popeye 2 on, is it Game Boy? There's Popeye 2 on Game Boy. There's two Popeyes in the Pulse Line series on Famicom. There's like Popeye and Popeye English. Mm. I, I don't remember the, di- I don't actually know a lot. I just kind of, I'm checking this off the list. Uh, Popeye English is like the Donkey Kong Junior Math Popeye. Oh, where it's, Popeye's going it's around English, and it's letters. Popeye English lesson. Yeah. It's teaching you English. Popeye teach. Who worse to teach anyone English than Popeye? Uh, that like, if I was going to have anyone <laughs> teach me English, it's not Popeye. This, uh, he's the wrong choice. I mean, is he, is Popeye like a super American character? So they're like, we're going to have the super American character yeah, but teach he's, you English. But he like, he definitely doesn't speak well. He's got like a discernible mumble. Well, well, they don't know like, that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yes, they do. Okay, uh, I mean, well, depicted so, in the cartoon. I mean, I think it probably uh, this uh, game uh, exists. Uh, c- 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 like, come on. This, this game probably exists because the arcade game was probably popular in Japan, and they don't know that, like, Popeye is stuttering, not knowing what he's saying. They're just like, oh, I love that arcade game. Let's have him teach me English. Just like Donkey Kong. I don't know how Donkey Kong talks. I just want to have Donkey Kong teach me how to multiply a two-digit number by a three-digit number. Yeah, like honestly, uh, maybe maybe not have an animal teach you math. Maybe maybe have a person teach you math. Just saying. Uh, also, I didn't know that there was a Popeye game for the Super Famicom. Did you? No, I don't know anything about Super Famicom, Johnny. I like. So here's a weird. So this is like a thing. I don't love Popeye, but my dad loved Popeye. So I like usually like I buy I, I think about my dad and I buy Popeye stuff, especially now that he's gone. I look at Popeye stuff more. So I am surprised that there like now I'm like, it's also kind of expensive. I, I just want you to know there's one going and it's like they're over a hundred dollars for these Popeye games uh, on Super Famicom. So now like I'll probably buy I, I don't know if it's unique to the the country or what uh, or, or to the region. I mean. I don't know if there was one on... I don't think there's one on PAL. I don't remember seeing it in my list. So that's weird. So I guess it's like a Japanese exclusive. This Popeye game. Weird. All right. But there's also a Popeye 2, like I said. So if you haven't seen Popeye 2 come up, that's an expensive-ish game sometimes. Popeye is like a fashion magazine in Japan. I'm looking up like if Popeye is popular in Japan. And Popeye is definitely popular in Japan. Really? Like maybe like more popular in Japan than America? Yeah, like if you want like a complete Popeye 2 for Game Boy, it's not too bad. It's like 150 bucks or whatever. But that's weird if he's like a fashion icon. Like I've got like a from my dad's like collection, I have like a weird Popeye like action figure still in the box, like or in the package. Popeye's a weird thing. I did not know there was two Famicom games about him. And there is a GBA one, which is a little uncommon as well. It's called Popeye uh, Rush for Spinach. Go check it out. That's got like classic Popeye art. Looks got a nice box art to it. I like it. You get to see 
uh, Bluto, uh, Olive Oil, and Wimpy. Nah, they're just in Starbursts. I think that box art could be better. It's not bad box art because the logo is pretty good. But they just got um, the characters in. They're just like, ah, put some Starbursts in to show the other characters. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like if you want a depiction of what those characters are, it's like. But I, I think there's some controversy over Bluto because I think his name is Brutus in a few for like some period of time. I don't know. I haven't looked this up, but it's a thing like Bluto versus Brutus. It's the same character. And then uh, if you don't know the baby's name, who's not shown Sweet Pea. There you go. There's your Popeye trivia. Thanks for the Popeye trivia. Also, Donkey Kong was originally a Popeye game. So if you want your first first print, get a Popeye game and pretend it was Donkey Kong. Woo! Wait, Popeye and Famicom is Donkey Kong? That's what I said. Popeye on Famicom is Donkey Kong. It's the true first appearance of Mario. Uh, Popeye is Mario, guys. Holy sh**. That we've... The connection is there. Also, I'm just putting this together. Why why was Shigeru Miyamoto making a Popeye game? What is the influence of Popeye on Japan? Somebody explain to me. Well, Red the Game that... Shark, you know a lot about Japan. Yeah, tell me, about t- tell me what the hell is going on there. Especially like, like if we're getting into history, Popeye is a naval sailor, right? Like, do you, does Japan want anything to do with like the US military? <laughs> like, I don't I, know. I don't know either. This not these are not things are like I know spinach? about. Did I, have I ever told this story on Collector's Quest where I was forced to eat a whole can of spinach? You were forced so, to? Yeah. So not like not like held down and forced, but I was not allowed to get up. So I because my dad liked Popeye and we put on the cartoons when I was little and stuff. They had Popeye canned spinach in the store when we're going through, and I was just like, "Holy." That's the real right there. Yeah. Mom, I need that canned spinach. She's like, you don't like spinach. I'm like, huh. I like that one because I'm going to get Popeye muscles if I just eat that. You know, it's a cruciferous vegetable, mother. It's uh, dark green and leafy. It's good for me. What don't you want about this? My mom's like, we're not buying that. I'm not wasting. And I remember it was like 59 cents. It's like, we're not wasting like 59 cents on that. I'm like, mom, I promise I will eat it. I was not very old. I was like five or six, but I remember having this moment and just her being like, all right, but you're going to sit down and eat the whole thing. I'm going to make it for you when we get home and you're going to sit there and you're going to eat the whole thing. Her knowing full well that I did not like spinach, like hated spinach. As a matter of fact, still don't like spinach to this day. This moment didn't help anyways. Yeah. So she made that spinach for me, put the whole thing in a bowl right in front of me and said, dig in. And, uh, I said, I did not finish it, but I had to eat a healthy portion before she finally, finally released me. And, uh, it put me off of most canned vegetables forever, which I think is fine. But, uh, also like spinach, I, I want no part of spinach. That's, that's a sad story that makes this sound like this. You wanting spinach made you hate spinach as an adult. Cause I love spinach. So, uh, Do you, that, yeah, that my wife loves spinach too. To Ugh. Like, and the way it wilts down and smells, blech. So good. Blech. Do not like it. So. Also, one more uh, Popeye game that uh, I looked up as you were telling this story, Johnny, is Popeye Beach Volleyball for the Game Gear in Japan, the uh, prequel to Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. I'm sorry. One, that last part isn't true, but is there really a Popeye Volleyball game? Popeye Beach Volleyball. Got olive oil in a bikini on the front of the cover. Who cares? <laughs> so weird. Uh, oh, quick uh, collector's quest tie-in. 
If you didn't know who was in the Popeye movie that starred Robin Williams, but who starred as Olive Oil? Our very own Shelley Duvall, ladies and gentlemen. Shelley Duvall. Good cast. It was good casting. Very good casting. Shelly Duvall, super weird looking. Olive oil is not someone I would want to see in a bikini on like on my idealized, like, I want to see women in bikinis, which I don't really care about. But if I was like going like, yeah, this is the volleyball I need to see, it wouldn't be olive oil. That's all I'm saying. Johnny, did you buy anything? I didn't. End of show. No, I I bought a few things. Um, What did I buy? I bought uh popeye beach volleyball for the game gear just now no i did not i'm kidding uh i i bought you know what i bought i bought we already talked about it i bought these stupid star wars games like trying to have at least one one for the list so there's just like if you don't know there's a ton of stupid battlefront games and stuff and the force unleashed is like on every system and there's so many variants and i'm gonna have to do a whole thing and i bought one of the stupid connection discs so i would just have an example of like each one of each variant, uh, uh, not one, not one of each variant, but one of each character you could get in a different variant style, even though those four variants. So I feel like I have to get one more just so I could show the possible variations. Anyways, sure. it's, uh, that, that's all I've bought. Like force awakens force unleashed and, uh, revenge of the Sith. And I've been working on that stupid list and that stupid list is like 240 games now or 235 games. It's it's so much longer than I expected it to be. And this is only including from Atari to Xbox One, you know, or PS4. You can say PS5, but there's no PS5 Star Wars games yet. So it's like the whole run of it. But I didn't even go into the PC stuff because if I went into the PC stuff, just... I think if I tried to catalog all the variants for all the PC <laughs> games, I think my head would explode. I think I would die. That's why you can't so. set collect on PC. You got to decide what the good thing is and get that. Or yeah. or you could dedicate your life to just saying, I'm going to get every variant of every LucasArts game. And that's going to be the only thing I collect in my life because that's all I have time for. Yeah. Also that, right? Like, not that all the games are LucasArts, but a lot of Star Wars games obviously came from LucasArts. And I have no idea, idea what that would even look like price-wise to fight with other people looking for LucasArts stuff. I'm not going in those waters. I have no interest. Not even to document it. I, I don't want to know. I don't care. You got to get what I've done. X-Wing and then X-Wing Alliance and the expansion and TIE Fighter or X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, Johnny. And there's ones that, that have a little banner on the bottom left of the thing and some nope. that don't. And there's probably like Amiga copies of it. No, well, no, no, I don't care. Also, if you want to see something interesting, look into the history of Shadow of the Empire and all of the games that actually happened because of Shadows of the Empire game on N64. That game, because there's like five different you know, game types in it, uh, too many, right? They So it didn't do anything great, but there's like flying games. So like uh, Rogue Squadron and like Battlefront and pod racing all come out of Shadows of the Empire. Really? Yeah, because Shadows of the Empire like develop code and stuff for these like game types and then they're like, "Oh, these should all just be their own games." And thus other Star Wars games were made out of them. That's interesting. That is a that's a great Star Wars game. Speaking of games that make you feel like you're in the Star Wars, uh, Shadows of the Empire. 
you know, and it, maybe like, like the, I be- it the best retro quote unquote all around Star Wars experience where you like you're flying, you're shooting, walking around, exploring. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order for Xbox or PS4. That one. That's too new. Doesn't count. You're not flying though. So that game. And so this was the problem, right? And this is why some critics like did not like Shadows of the Empire. So here's a couple interesting facts about Shadows of the Empire. Uh, the reason that uh, Kyle Katarn in that has um, those big bulky sh- shoulder pads is because the polygons don't blend together well. <laughs> so they had to put an overlay over those polygons or it would just look like there, you know, uh, there's just like collision happening the whole time where like where his arm is like going through his body and stuff. So they had to like put this shoulder pad over. Also, if you don't know about Shadows of the Empire, it was a multimedia thing. So if you go and you think about what happened with Force Unleashed, they made like books and comics and all the stuff they released. And the first place they piloted that was Shadows of the Empire. They made comics that happened uh, that were happening. Like they didn't, the comics aren't just what happened in the game. The comics are taking you at a different angle than what's going on. And there was a book that happened. The book was like the main thing, the book in the game. So the book is telling you the main story. The game is giving you a different angle. The comics are telling you something else. And then there's some other multimedia stuff that's happening. uh, That's giving you even different angles of what's going on. So it's like, they called it the uh, movie without a movie was like their big catchphrase. Uh, for Shadows of the Empire. So you have all this stuff going on, but the character, Kyle Katarn, is described differently in all different forms of in the medium. It's not consistent from one to the other, which I think is hilarious that they couldn't get it right. And mainly the video game one, it, like he looks so different because they like they were so limited by the polygons and how it looked. So, and they they said, like, there's an interview with the one of the head uh had guys who was uh, creating the graphics for it. And he's like, yeah, so we have these really forced, ugly shots of like close-ups because we could finally do voice acting in a game. So we thought we needed to feature it, even though it looked horrible or they told us to feature it. So there's a lot of funny stuff in that. Like, and they like are so down on the game, but, and like the critics were kind of down on, but I remember everyone I knew, especially Star Wars fans loved that game and like had a great experience with it. Like, and the uh, the Hoth level, you know, in the very beginning of the game, that doesn't even make sense within the story. They just threw him in there because they wanted to do a Hoth level. Because Star Wars, come on. Yeah, they're Hoth. like, this is the most, yeah, this is like <laughs> one of the most Star Wars things we can do, so let's do it. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, there's like some YouTube stuff you can go search for if you want to know more about what what Shadows of the Empire was about. So, because I've been doing some research on these stupid ass Star Wars games, so much research so I could... Tell interesting stories like that. Uh, well, once you're done with this, I need you to also do it on PC. And then let me know all the coolest things to buy. Okay. We'll, do. Right, well, we'll probably it. just have an episode. And I'll just listen to the episode. Yeah. You're like, Johnny, just go ahead. Keep talking. Yeah, that's right. Keep going. Hmm. All right. That's uh, do we have any more? You done? You good? Yeah, that we're done. I, I played Ninja Gaiden one and three for the video game Sage New Year's thing. If I didn't say that yet, Woo, very exciting. And then I've been playing some old school RuneScape. You want to hear about that, Johnny? I no. click the fish to get the fish. Yeah. Tell me more about how you click the buttons. Mm. Well, I've been doing barbarian fishing and you could do three tick fishing with barbarian fishing, which means that you catch a fish and then you All use right, your Tyler, knife on so the fish that's to it turn for it the show. Tell fish. us where we can find you. <laughs> Uh, Instagram and video game Sage and YouTube and just send me a message on Instagram if you want to get in touch with me. It's the easiest thing to do.
And where where would they send it? Default Gen? Oh, Default Gen. Default G-E-N. All right. And you can find me at Johnny underscore Iucci. C-O-H-N-N-Y underscore I-U-C-C-I. But of course, you know that. You know it. All right. Thanks for listening. Hope you were mildly entertained and mildly learned something. Because that's the premise of the show. Got it? Bye!